Recording live from the newly formed Deshaun Kaiser Fan Club, it's the Seahawks Nest Podcast. That's right, guys. Deshaun Kaiser has won the starting job. How does it make you feel? It makes me feel as cool as uh, Brett in sunglasses at night. A lot of people listening are going to be, who's Deshaun Kaiser? Well, of course, the quarterback for your Cleveland Browns. I think more people went, who's Brett? So I'm going to introduce everyone here on the podcast. (laughs) Our very own resident ghost dad, Brett Hancock. Uh, So we got Kevin Garber here. Kevin, as always, rocking uh, rocking the Seahawks championship shirt. It looks great, Kevin. You know, it seemed appropriate for the prediction show. And then uh, we got Eric Ronnebeck in the house. Eric, how you doing? I'm good, man. Thanks. All right. And then we have a special guest for our, like, big prediction show where we're going to go over all of our predictions for the NFL because this is our last off-season podcast next next week we get to talk about a real upcoming football game it's on season podcast i don't even i don't even know what to do with myself i'm so excited uh uh, brett hancock our executive producer uh the the ghost of christmas past is here in studio he's uh, like the jc chazé one of the original members (laughs) i'm really just i'm really just looking for the yacht club you can't play me i'm the original player let's be honest boating shirt in the very first episode of the seahawks nest podcast when it was called from the hawks nest yeah Brett was on the podcast, and none of us were. Yep, it's yes. true. He has, really, he has really passed the torch. I'm not going to lie, I'm pretty happy about that. The reason that I'm here today is because I've listened to every single episode that I haven't been on the last roughly year and a half, and I wasn't sure that you guys could get dumb for the predictions. I think you You're can. too well-informed, you're too well-spoken, <laughs> you're too smart about this game of football. I needed to be here to restore... Restore that. Well, the thing I'll say about Brett, this man puts the hot in hot takes. Oh yeah, I hope you like Jake Cutler. So here, <laughs> hey, he's back, baby. Sixteen zero. Yeah, he couldn't kill him. So here we go. Let's uh, let's start off with talking about a little bit about the Seahawks preseason game. Their twenty six to thirteen victory over the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I was in the wilderness for this. I was in Ocean Shores. I could not. Uh, <laughs> Hold on, Ocean Shores is a town. <laughs> You're <laughs> acting like you were in like the Unabomber's cabin to in the be middle fair, of Montana. It's full of townies, though, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, let's, yes. let me just be honest. There was he no, was on vacation and didn't give a short shit. answer. No yes, internet, and I wasn't paying attention when the game started, <laughs> and I missed most of it. Okay, but in all fairness, it's a preseason game. Also, right? and another bad thing about this is, is that like normally I'd be like, okay, I'll just go back and watch it on Game Rewind. But Game Rewind is like in this weird lapse period where last season has ended now, and they haven't given us the code for the new season for being season ticket holders. So I'm like in I'm in this like limbo where I'm like, hey, I can't watch I can't watch NFL Game Rewind yet. So. Uh, yeah. Because I don't want to pay full price when I'm going to get a code that gives it to me. For so, <laughs> fact. two things. One, I did set that up, and oh, I watched the game three times. We got the code now? Yes. All right, so we're back Two, in. the last time the Seahawks played the Chiefs in preseason, I was in Ocean Shores when when Russell Wilson was ascending you know, to his rightful to his place. Throne. So this is a good omen. I'm okay. feeling good about this. So let me, let me say, and I, there is I, internet I out had there to live everywhere. the game through GIF. And I'm going to talk about the GIFs that I saw. In all and fairness, you, Nathan lives most of his life through GIFs. And you guys are going to tell me. Did the gifts lie? Okay, that's your, that's, was, was the gifts true? So first thing I saw, I watched a lot of gifts of the offensive line, and Riso Diambo did not look like trash. Is Riso Diambo, like, surprisingly adequate? The gifts mostly did not lie. All right. <laughs> gifts, don't, gifts never we need lie. some canned applause right there. The gifts don't lie. Uh, now, we talked about George Fant last week when he went down and how... He was you know, surprisingly well. We average. all took yeah, games was, off of his. We we all took games off of our Seahawks prediction based on Fant going down. Having said that, he wasn't like you know the second coming of Walter Jones. No, so, he was the second no. coming of mediocrity, which was so much better <laughs> what, than what you, we had. <laughs> would you see Nodiambo though? When I saw Nodiambo was someone whose footwork looked solid, um, who seemed pretty comfortable on the outside and seemed comfortable moving to the left. Um, let me put it this way. He's not our worst starting tackle right now. Hey-o. Um, he only looked really terrible on one play. Now, the Kansas City Chiefs are a pretty average defensive line. I don't think they're pushing him that hard talent-wise. But if you look at our schedule, there's not a lot of teams that are when it comes to pass rushers. So this bodes to having probably a slightly below average left tackle if he performs the same way next uh, this coming week against Oakland, I'm going to feel pretty decent about that. One he had one breakdown where he allowed a sack on Russell Wilson. And one thing is, I saw is that Justin Houston didn't play, so obviously they didn't have their best pass rusher. They had to go with their their backup pass rushers. D Ford. They, I mean, D Ford performed decently last year in the uh, seven in and the, a half sacks. I think yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't fine, solid. He's not. It's not great numbers for an outside linebacker, but it's fine. It's like, hey, this is an adequate substitute, right? Yep. So he played good against an adequate substitute. Um, he did something Odiombo did uh, that Fant didn't do. Uh, Odiombo didn't give up on plays. 
Oh, I thought you were going to say he had a really long last name because that's something else he did better. <laughs> uh, I, I read a lot. Of, I saw GIFs and read a lot that the offensive line just kind of is gelling in general. Like they're starting to play well together. Do you guys feel that that's uh, the case? Is that are they starting? Is the offensive line starting to look like it might be the 20th best offensive line in the NFL? What, yeah. Which is a market improvement, what by the jumped, way. Yeah, I mean, what jumped out to me was all our tackles are really asked to do in the passing game is to not be horrible. And Effetti was the only one that had struggles with that. Yeah, so, I mean, the fact that Odiambo can just play one game, you know, after a couple days of practice and look functional is encouraging. Because as long as, you know, the interior holds up, I think, like, uh, I mean, like, Russell seemed to step up into a pocket that existed quite a bit in right. this game, which yeah. I hadn't seen the last couple preseason let's, games. Let's, yeah, the interior is holding quite well. Let's talk about Russell Wilson talking about. Uh, stepping up in the pocket and making good throws. I saw several gifts of him throwing deep in this game. Some good deep throws. Uh, he went, and I read online that he went five, four for five on deep throws with uh, 131 yards. Deep throws being 20 yards or more in the air. We all know deep throws is one of Russell Wilson's great skills. We talked about it a lot on this podcast. Does does Russell Wilson one? Did this bring any clarity to the wide receiver situation? Like, was there was there some separation there? Like, are are we starting to see like Tanner McAvoy is not going to make it? This guy is going to make it? Or are we like? Is there still kind of muddy waters in the uh, in wide receiver land? Uh, I like I still like Casey Williams. I'm still down on Jermaine Curse. He had a better game. Uh, McAvoy looks. I think he's going to make the team. Amara uh, Darbo, third round pick. Uh... Practice squad. Is someone going to pick him up? I, unless he has like you know 20 targets this game and gives us a whole lot, I don't really know if that guy's going to make. The I don't team. think anyone's going to pick him up. He doesn't. I mean, he doesn't no, flash. He, he will not clear waivers. Uh, Darbo's going to get picked up on talent alone. Yeah, but he the had zero catches on sure. two. Yeah. they have to put him on a he roster. He had another though. no catch. It. This is not a good preseason for Darbo. So, um, so is this a chance like we get the rare like Seahawks cut tie with a third round draft pick like that? It, it seems like that, the winds are blowing that way. I mean, the problem is that like. Kaysen Williams obviously replaces Jermaine Curse and Tanner McAvoy if you're going that route. They basically do the same thing. They play on the outside, yet Darbo is competing with Baldwin and Lockett for touches, like, across the middle. Like, how's that going to work out for Darbo? I don't see it either. I could see them burying Darbo on IR. Uh, yeah. Because he's been kind of mm. nagging injuries. This might be one of those, like, injury red shirt. Here's the First problem years. with me for that, okay, is that there's no team under harsher scrutiny for stuff like that than the Seahawks. <laughs> That's true. We, they love to catch us doing stuff like that, and I would hate to lose a draft pick for a guy that hasn't shown much so, um, when we can just keep... We have a lot of wide receivers that are flashing right now. Because Kirsten had a really solid game. Yeah, three if, catches on three targets, 59 yards. He looked the part. He looked if, like what we wanted him to be. And if be. we want Kirsten to just bring... You know, Kirsten is a stable hand. We know what we're getting. Like, the, with... With with Casey Williams, let's be honest. We don't know where we're getting. There's a significant injury history there. Like, there's a there's a risk to keeping Casey Williams over over uh, you know over Curse. Curse. But yeah. so so I, I'm not going to deny that. Even though I have been like the number one banging the drum of like let's not keep Curse. But they know we know exactly what we're getting out of Curse, and there's something to that. That I, that has value. If the Paul other thing Rich- I'll say real quick Sorry, is yeah. McAvoy had a good game. I agree yes. with mm-hmm. uh, Eric here. He, I love Tanner McAvoy, so I'm glad to hear that. And he played to his size, which uh, I feel like in past games so far this preseason, the throws have not allowed him to always do that. He had some throws in this most recent game that allowed him to play to his size, and I think he did that well. Okay, let's play a little in or out, Kevin and Brett and Eric. We're, you're just I'm going to name a Seahawks player. Okay, and I'm going to guess between running backs and wide receivers, we keep about 10 guys. Right? Total? Yep. So okay. 10 guys total. So I'm going to say these guys are in. Doug? Yes. We all agree. Paul? Yes. In. Tyler? In. Yes. Okay. Uh, Thomas Rawls? Yes. Chris yeah. Carson? In. In. TJ yes. Procise? In. Yes. In. Okay, so that's, that is six, six guys right there. Okay? So we're going to play a little later now. You, get, think, you can think about it. You're going to pick four guys, okay, that you're, Hold that on. you're saying in Wh- or out. Where's Marcel Reese, Nate? Uh, okay, Mark. Sorry. <laughs> I, I'm thinking that they separate out fullback from this. Okay, okay. I think fullback's is, going to be grouped in with tight end, basically. Okay, Reese, right, is, right. Reese is in with, with Vanette, Wilson, and Graham. Okay, fair. Okay, those, fair. those four players are in as a clump. Okay, I think we're going to actually snip one offensive lineman to make room for this, too. That's kind of why we picked up Matt Tobin, because he can play all over the line, and it allows us to shave one of these garbage offensive linemen that we don't want to keep. Uh, just, just that we would need to keep for depth purposes. Right. Yeah. Now we don't have to do that. So we okay. have four left, right? Between... So we have four left, okay? okay. So, Eddie Lacy. Out. Out. In. I think he's in, but I don't like it. 
if it's me making the roster, he's out. But I think right now, in. He's more dependable. He's in. Okay. Uh, Jermaine Curse. In. In. Out. In. Okay. okay. So I'm at two already. Uh, so, <laughs> so I'm going to have to make some hard cuts here. Alex Collins. Out. Out. Tumble jail. I'm going to say in. I'm at zero, so I'm feeling good. Out. I think I'm the only in. Ooh, and I, I don't even like Alex yeah. Collins. Alex Collins, I think, is, is done. For not I changing, feel bad not about changing my answer. Cason Williams. I'm going in. In for me. In. All right. So, in. Because don't don't forget, Lockett gets to start the year on the on IR or something. No. Uh, oh, he's, yeah, he got pulled off published. Amara Darbo. Out. Out. Brett. Out. And then uh, we'll go Tanner, Tanner McAvoy. In. Oh, I, oh, Darbo's out for me. Yeah. Oh. Sorry. Tanner McAvoy. In. 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 Okay, we're all in on Tanner McAvoy. And Too then, flexible. And then here we go. This is the one, this is a hard one. J.D. McKissick. In because of special teams. By numbers, he's out for me. Out because I already have four. And then, Yeah, he's out by just numbers for me. I think he's the next guy. If you're aggressive in your cuts like Brett, like that's the guy you're making room for. Brett, you only have three. Who's the guy Who's the guy you wanted to keep That's that I didn't say yet? Uh, then Curse. I said curse already. Yeah, but I didn't. I said oh, out. You on said curse. out, but you're yeah. you're back in on curse. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Perfect. So, so uh, I mean, you could keep Cyril Grayson or Kenny Lawler. No, I don't think that those the, guys are not Mike Davis. The team. Those guys are un, are unreasonable keeps. I just think they're unlikely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did this the, with the way the roster's shaking out. Cyril Grayson, same thing. Like well, I, Cyril Grayson's going to land on an NFL roster. Like, you think so? Yeah, return yeah. skills alone. Oh man, he's fast and he's made some catches in the preseason. Like he's flashed that you could develop him into a usable NFL wide receiver. Made some if you're a team too. that's not going to make the playoffs this year, he's a guy you pick up and develop. Yeah, like why, why wouldn't the Jets bring him in just to return kicks and develop as a wide receiver? Like that's that's a perfect fit for him. Yeah, do guess you, what? They don't have talent. Guess what? He has talent. Do you guys think that Paul Richardson, when healthy, replaces everything that Casey Williams? Does Paul well, Richardson sure. Parton's better? He's better, and yeah. more developed. Yeah. Uh, they're both huge injury risks, so they right. kind of bounce yeah, each other tough, out in that way. So. <laughs> yeah, Paul Richardson's a very, very talented right. player. Well, that was uh, that was yeah. in or out Seahawks Nest edition. Uh, what, what do you think, uh, Seahawks Nest fans? I think there's six locks and there's four spots up. Three, there might only be three spots up for grabs, which makes it really hard. Then one more. What? Boykin in or out? Oh, I think oh, I think Austin Davis has taken that back. I think Davis too. took it. I Boykin over six with a pick, and he looked every bit <laughs> yeah. as terrible yeah. as I've been saying. Really yeah. bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Davis five for five, led a whole drive, looked like an looked like an NFL backup quarterback. It's funny though. In the need. first preseason game, it was very much like, "Hey, Boykin, his stats look good, but let's dig deep." He didn't look very good. Second game was like, "Yeah, he doesn't look good at all." Third game, you're awful. The Seahawks <laughs> nest theory though is is sound. If if Wilson goes down, Kaepernick's in by Monday morning. Like yeah. that is definitely Davis, happening. Davis is starting one game while we get Kaepernick ready. That's sure. fact. Um, exactly. The the um, too bad he'll be starting for Jacksonville. Yeah, I'm, I'm sad <laughs> that I don't have room on my roster for McKissick because I think he's earned it. To be honest with you, yeah, I think he's I really plenty. like what he is as a player. If we didn't have CJ Proceis, he's CJ Proceis. But, yeah. but like you had Kevin, Lacey in though, right, Nate? Yeah, I mean, I'd much but, rather keep okay. McKissick than Lacey, but I don't think the team's going to do that. But like, if Rawls is healthy. If Rawls, Prosize, and Chris Carson are all healthy, like where Rawls does Lacey is healthy get touches? For how long? I know, I know. Where does Lacey get touches? I don't know. The team seems to have a lot of faith in him, and Fair he, enough. he played better in the last game. And True. the team always says dumb stuff like, "Oh, he's really starting <laughs> to get comfortable in the offense." They're preparing you for us to keep him, yep. even if he looks bad. Like that stuff that they do, that's hints. Like those Fair are enough. That, they did the same thing with George Fant. They're doing the same thing with Eddie Lacey. Like, oh, he's starting to look comfortable in the offense. He's really settling in. Whatever, like falling over sideways is. I don't know how that's settling <laughs> in, but whatever. All right. Ooh, settling in sideways. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is uh, the defensive line. Um, we've had some good defensive line play in this preseason game, according to the gifts. Uh, Naz Jones and Frank Clark. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> hey, you, you were for, so you, you forgot that, that I was uh, that I was uh, doing. You the know, gift. Nathan, this is the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, so, Kevin, <laughs> can you tell me uh, did the did the gifts lie? The gifts don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what? 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 How did? What was? Uh, what was going on with our defensive line? You know, it's the same thing, Nathan. What, my friend, is defensively living the dream? Uh, just getting pressure with four dudes. That's getting pressure with four down linemen, my friend. And what have the Seahawks been consistently doing this uh, preseason? No, I mean, this, have you guys seen this? If you're going to say something besides getting pressure with four down linemen, you're not winning this game. No, because this was really easy. But yeah, I know. <laughs> but the, the 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 move that Frank Clark makes in this gift, this like it, uh, rip spin move thing, is it like, makes women cry. It's, it's gnarly, oh, dude. dude. It's like it's, it's like unfathomable. I'm like, oh, that's so dirty. Like he did that guy so dirty. I, I don't know. 
<laughs> I don't know how how uh, this this guy's amazing. Frank Clark's really good at, at football. He's a physical freak. It's how the hell he became. How on a team with Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill, we drafted our best defensive lineman. Well, Kevin, is weird. It's. I'll say this, and this is a, <laughs> this is a very good reason. This is a very cold take. Not in the NFL. I'm no. gonna I'm gonna wait up on the defensive line excitement because I know that when the season starts, there will be holds, and we're gonna have trouble. We may see more blitzing. I'm just gonna I'm gonna hold off on my excitement. You know, I do have one player that I'd like to talk about. We touched on him slightly last week. Nathan talked about him a little bit, and I. It's a player who I said was out last week. And I think I'm going to have to retract that statement because David Bass keeps playing his way in. Yeah, I, I was going to. I was, I, this I was man should have week. a spot in the mm-hmm. rotation. You know, I thought that he, it was a numbers game and he wasn't going to make it. He's flexible uh, too, Mister Mister Cassius Marsh. And you know, yes, I apologize, but you're going to have like plenty of time to play Magic the Gathering because I don't think that you're making the roster. It weirds me out though. Like the the Bass thing, like it kind of came out of nowhere. Like he was, but like he a, just is playing he's a so real well. He's signing and like it. It's weird how you get a guy on a team when you surround him with talent, and all of a sudden, hey, it turns out this guy's actually not that bad. Well, what, what <laughs> yeah. Kevin said about McKissick, how he's he's put up good numbers, but I don't know if he can make the team. I feel like Bass has taken that one step further. He's put up the stats, and he, I think he deserves a spot. On yeah, I think he's forcing the team's hand. Yes. And I mean, especially Quentin when Jefferson. Marsh made another boneheaded play mm-hmm. in this last game and got a penalty he shouldn't have for but, a late hit. But he's still going to get scooped up like the next day by oh, yeah, some he'll team. Still get like, up. That's are, how crazy the depth is. Jefferson and Garrison Smith both out then too, Kevin. Like are. You know, I think Jefferson starts the season on the pup. I haven't seen him. I haven't even seen him suit up. Yeah, I, I I was just thinking we keep, might keep him just because you know like we know we're getting like we Quentin Jefferson we've had him for a couple of years now. Yeah, but, I wonder if he's still injured. I wonder if he's going to be the next uh, Hill. Yeah, or oh. just never quite gets healthy. Yep. Okay, uh, and then did Tremaine Brock play in this game? He did. Did he? How did he look? He looked like a solid yeah, that, NFL defensive this, back. This is a, this is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like the fact that we got like a Pro Football Focus eighty four rated cornerback just off just because he's a terrible person like. Yeah, I feel a little bad about it, but man, this secondary is so dirty now. Like we're so good in the secondary. It solved, <laughs> it solved any yeah. problem we had very quickly. It's like, hey, now now uh, Jeremy Lane is completely expendable. Like, yeah. like way expendable. Yeah, looking forward to trading him to the Bills. One Shaq Griffin can uh, honestly, let's face it, he had pressure on him. I mean, he started on the outside. He was getting picked on. He wasn't turning around to meet the ball. Though I will say, I think he's been playing better as the preseason I goes on. I think he's been I'm bad. looking yeah. very much forward to what he's developing he's, he's into. Gonna play, he's going to play on the outside in the nickel packages. Like, I'm really confident yeah. in that. Like, he's, I agree. He's, he's proved it. He deserves to be on the field for 25 to 30% of snaps per game. And I think he might even pull a, uh, a Richard Sherman and in the middle of the year kind of mm-hmm. take over that starting job and run with it. Yeah, I don't know. Brock's really good. Brock is really good. <laughs> He's like just a really good football player. This is a great problem to have. It's it's like it's like weird that we ended up just having now we're the Legion of Boom's really back. Like there was a there was yeah. kind of a hole in the Legion of Boom. And yep. Griffin was like working on filling it, but he's young, and there was going to be it was going to. It's time. hard to start as a rookie at corner. And now we got a guy that just fills in the gap, and the secondary looks great. Uh, McDougal's awesome. Thorpe looks good. The sets that we come out with with three safeties are going to be really cool. In the oh my season. gosh, they're so versatile the, and talented. The the Del, either Delano Hill or McDougal with with uh, Earl and Cam, like it's those guys can like really be on different spots in the field and like fill up different different areas. Delano Hill's one of those guys where you don't see his number being called very often. You just see him in the vicinity of the right play happening, yeah. and that's a big compliment for a guy like that. His he smart football fits player. in. He's a great cog in a system. And I really thought like we drafted him to be our eventual. Cam, but like then we signed Cam to an ex- extension. So still could be. So maybe Cam's just going to be a linebacker soon. Like I have a feeling like we might just be. We're going to Dayon Buchanan him, yeah. and I have no problem because in the box training camp, Cam is the best kind of Cam. Yeah, and Tedrick and Tedrick and Delano will be filling in the uh, backup safety and uh, uh, you know starting safety roles. I'm excited. I we're yeah. definitely going to short uh, linebackers to make room for other guys on defense. Yeah, I don't think there's very many linebackers that have really made a strong case for making the team outside of. You know, KJ, Bobby, and Michael Wilhoy. Like, I think everyone else has been like. I think Garvin okay. might be our last one, and then I could see that being. I it. think DJ Alexander is going to be the last one, just because he oh, can play special, special teams. teams. I could see that, but I could see us keeping four linebackers 
and basically yeah. counting a safety That's as a linebacker. I think, I think like four linebackers, and then and then counting like Hill and Chance, Chancellor as like backup linebackers, and McDougal for that matter, yeah. or Mike Tyson. We barely knew you. McDougal can play. Yeah. Mike Tyson is tra- is practice squad or gone. Sorry, yeah. yeah, yeah. McDougal it's... can play like all over the place. And like, don't forget, we have Deshaun Shed coming off the pup later in the season too, and he could be like if he comes back strong, he was p- pretty good. Yeah, this so, is a, this is a good problem to have. Our secondary at some point this season could be Sherman, Griffin, Brock, Thorpe, and Deshaun Shed. Oh, uh, mm, that sounds four cornerbacks. Yes, yeah, four cornerbacks, all of uh, all of above average talent. Yeah, that yep. sounds all right. Uh, all right, so that's uh, that's our Seahawks coverage. Uh, anything else I missed, Kevin? Because I didn't actually watch the game. I just watched gifts of the game. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think uh, oh, I think I our combined right, analysis. I hit all the right gifts. <laughs> I know it's I know it's hot takey to bring this up in year six, but like Russell Wilson's corny, that but he looks <laughs> I like him though he looks better than I can ever remember in a preseason. Maybe it was watching the eighteen games of pure injury. Yeah, he was agony, injured last year. It's, but, that's it's watching him getting some blocking. He, I think he got healthy. He ate really good in the offseason. He's the, comfortable stepping up on the move. The, this, the middle the of touch the line, on his deep throws is just. And the middle of the it's line ever been. watched really well this year. Yeah. Like, those three guys in the middle. It doesn't matter who's been at right guard. Abushi and Glowinski have both looked good at right guard. Yep. And there's like a – that's a good problem to have, the fact that we have two capable right guards. Like, I think Glowinski's going to barely win it out, but I wouldn't be surprised if they went with Abushi and kept both. They're going to keep both. They're going to end up yeah, keeping oh yeah. both because between the two of them and Tobin and Posick, you have the entire line yep. backed up. That's the thing. Because if you have to, yep. you know you can put Abushi at right tackle if yep. you have Abushi to. can play tackle in a pinch. And uh, Posick can play tackle in a bigger pinch. <laughs> well, Posick can play guard in a pinch, yeah. and he's your backup center. I think we're going to end up losing Hunt at center. Yeah. I just don't see a spot for him. I like Hunt, but I think that he had his time. He had his chance to develop, and this was a team where he got a one a roster spot. Yep. Yeah. If he was a real talent, there was the, it, the the job was there for the taking. I don't know, man. It's a real competitive uh, right, high bar I'm to climb on that offensive line. <laughs> so here we go. Let's get into our playoff predictions. So what we're going to do? We're going to do this first in a, a couple different ways. First. Things have happened since we originally made our division previews. Like, it's been six weeks, so our opinions of the teams have changed a little bit. We've coalesced. We're just going to tell you what teams we have in the playoffs, and then our first two out for each uh, for each uh, division. We'll work from there, okay? For each, um, sorry, conference. So let's start in the AFC, because we want to start away from the Seahawks and leave that for last. So I'm going to go 8-1. Uh, to one. That's how I'm going to count mine down. You guys can do it a different way if you want. Uh, so, But uh, my eight, I have the, te- the Texans with 10-6 and six with the 8th as the eighth best team uh, just missing the playoffs on a bunch I have a bunch of teams tied at 10 and 6 here You're, so you'll see uh, the Chiefs are 7th for me 10 and 6 I got the Chargers at 6th at 10 and 6 making the playoffs I have uh, the Ravens at 11 and 5 getting the 5 seed and the Raiders uh, winning the AFC West at 10 and 6 I've got the Steelers at 11 and 5 the Titans at 11 and 5 and the Patriots at 12 and 4 winning the AFC Eric where do you, what do you, how are you feeling about the AFC I have the Texans at 8 I have Nathan Santos, Los Angeles Chargers at seven. That's fair. Uh, the sixth seed, I have the Raiders. The fifth seed, uh, I'm sorry, I have to go between pages here. I have the Baltimore Ravens, who are looking really good this preseason. They are. Uh, number four is the Tennessee Titans. Three is uh, the, uh, the 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 Kansas City Chiefs, of course. The chefs, yeah, yeah. And then I have the stupid Steelers at number two and the New England Patriots. I, I don't know. Something about the Patriots. I think they're, I think they're going to be pretty good this something year. Something about playing in the AFC East. And something having Bill Belichick. And having Tom Brady and Bill Belichick really bodes well for them. Yeah, I think yeah. Julian Edelman's handsomeness is just going to attack defenses. From, yeah, right. He's just going to be on the sidelines in like a tank top. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, other teams are going to be like, whoa, who's, who's that guy? And it's going to be like, it's really cold in New England. Why is he wearing a tank top? I yeah. hope he Stanton's them. I just would, ultimate sideline celebrator. That guy needs to get back on the on the I on the grass because right, he looks too good. We got to move. We got to right. move uh, quickly. Move so eight gonna... seed Kansas City Chiefs nine and seven. Seven seed Texans at ten and six. I have the Chargers at ten and six at the six seed, making the playoffs in the wild card. I have the Ravens eleven and five, tying for the division but getting the wild card. Hmm. Titans at ten and six are my four seed, winning the division. Raiders win the division at eleven and five. They're my three seed. Steelers are my two seed, eleven and five. Patriots are my one seed, twelve and four. This is really the Patriots, the Steelers, and a bunch of teams that are about ten and six. Yeah, the thing yep. is that there's a we all so far agree, and I think Brett's going to back this up. That there's like a clump of like eight AFC teams 
that and I, I'm gonna I would include they'll like get the, ten wins but would have gotten eight in the NFC. I would include the Broncos and the Dolphins in this too. Where yep. like these teams welcome are, to my nine and ten teams. These teams are all like eight and eight ish, mm-hmm. but they're gonna get bumped up because the bottom of the AFC is really bad. And like the Jets are horrible, the Bengals aren't going to be good this year. The, the Bills want bad. to lose. The Bills want to lose. It seems like yeah. <laughs> so uh, Brett, finish us strong on the AFC. The AFC, I have the Ravens and the Chiefs barely missing out. Um, making the wild card, I have the Raiders and the Titans, mm-hmm. and then uh, from fourth to first, Texans, Chargers at three. Because I'm a firm believer in Philip Rivers. I just wish they weren't already in injury hell. Like it's well, yeah, it but happened, it seems to happen. They got nowhere else to go, man. But nowhere they're just else used to, go, to but it, up. and it doesn't stop him from having kids or winning some games. And then, no surprise, Steelers and Patriots. Yeah, Steelers. the Steeler, the, the Steelers could be number one seed. This is and this is the is first nuts. time that Brian, I think, Bell, we're all just counting Brown, on some injuries happening. And Roethlisberger have all been on the field at the same time, Correct. right? That's all four absolutely guys, insane. And the they their offense has been the best in the league yep. without all four of those guys. Yeah. So it's hard to say it's, what the limit. The as Michael Jordan would say, the ceiling. The what is it? The ceiling, floor is the ceiling. Uh, all right. Like so their offensive line's good. Okay. <laughs> don't so need a nailed defense. It. So my top eight in the <sighs> NFC. In eighth, I have the Bucks at eight and eight. In seventh, I have the Vikings just missing out at nine and seven. Then I got the ten and six Cowboys and the ten and six Falcons in my wild card slots. Number four seed is the Giants at ten and six. My three seed is the Packers at eleven and five. My two seed, the surprising resurgent Panthers at eleven and five. Mm. And my one seed is the Seahawks at twelve and four. Let's go the other way this time, Brett. Sure. Tell us about your NFC predictions. Barely missing out. I have the Panthers of Carolina and the Cardinals somehow miraculously uh, squeaking in in the wild card. I have the Vikings and the Giants. And from four to one, the Falcons, the Cowboys, the Packers, and then your Seattle Seahawks at number one. Kevin. I have nine and seven Panthers, eight and eight Cardinals, eight and eight Vikings, the just missing the playoffs. I have the Giants at nine and seven and the Bucks at ten and six as my wild card. Packers are eleven and five, but fall to the fourth seed because tiebreakers are insane. The Cowboys are eleven and five at the three seed, Falcons. Have another good season. Resurgent defense, eleven and five. Seahawks, functional offensive line play leads them to a twelve and four record, number one seed in the NFC. I like it. I have the Saints in eighth at eight and eight. I have the uh, team with the best quarterback by money anyway. The Detroit Lions at nine and seven with the seven seed. The uh, Washington Redskins will get the six seed at nine and seven, earning that tiebreaker. The uh, Carolina Panthers with the five seed. Then we're going to go over to the. Uh, sorry, I have to switch my page, guys. I'm really sorry. Cowboys will have the fourth seed. Uh, of course, the. Uh, this is me stalling right here. Falcons with the third seed. They're not going to be as good as they were last year. The Packers will have the two seed, one loss more than your Seahawks with the number one seed in the NFC. Yeah, the Seahawks have a little lucky here where they get to play the Rams and the 49ers twice. In the middle of the. The middle of the NFC is actually pretty good. Like, I think if the Lions, the Buccaneers, the Saints, the Redskins, the Cardinals, uh, like if the Vikings, if these teams were in the AFC, like I would be saying they're all playoff sleepers. Like, yeah. they are better than most of the teams I said were going to go ten and six. Well, and in I the could AFC. see them boosting up over the Buccaneers or the Giants for that last spot in my playoffs. Right, sure, it's it's very close. Like it's all contested. those teams that I just named are are decent. Yeah, like they're all decent football teams and. Like, Arizona is, like, a perfect example of this. Like, a team that, if you transported them into the AFC South, they'd probably win the division. Uh, okay, so let's just go. We're going to say our championship games and our Super Bowl champions. So I have uh, Steelers over Patriots, uh, Seahawks over Panthers, and I have the St- uh, That's a Super Bowl uh, a, a rematch. And I have the Steelers prevailing over the Seahawks just because I'm putting on the reverse jinx in advance. <laughs> I'm I'm 17 weeks ahead on this reverse jinx, or 21 <laughs> weeks, or however long it is. All right, Eric. Going back that way. I have uh, Patriots over the Baltimore Ravens, and I have the Seahawks over the Packers. And are we all going reverse jinx? This is we got to talk about this. You know, no, I'm not. It's, it's a good idea. Go. I, okay, then you know I'm going to say the Patriots over the Seahawks for the reverse jinx. Nice, another Super Bowl rematch and another reverse jinx. We need, we need that win back. At the risk of getting boring, I have the Steelers over the Patriots, the Seahawks over the Cowboys. Hmm. All right. Oh God. That- and you Is can't have again, a reverse Kevin? jinx without a jinx. So I have the Seahawks over the Steelers. Okay. okay. I'm going to guess Brett's going to have Seahawks over Patriots. Do I have to complete re- the circle? Do I have to reverse jinx it now? No, or? no, no I think you complete the circle, Brett. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, you got you to gotta jinx it so I it, can do be, have, it can have been reversed. I do have one different team that hasn't appeared yet. Okay. So, unsurprisingly, Patriots over the Steelers. Okay. 
in one of the better playoff games ever. I think it'll be like 45, a, 42, that, or just something crazy. If that game's in New England, that game's going to be nuts. Yeah. Yes. Um, if that game's in Pittsburgh, it's still going to be nuts. I have the Seahawks crushing the New York Giants at home. That Giants defense, if no one gets injured, good. is so good. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. If two guys yep. get injured, it's terrible. Yep. <laughs> it's like if Especially if they're defensive backs. They're riding a thin line there. To complete the jinx slash reverse jinx uh, circle, Seahawks over the Patriots. All right, so we have the full circle there of Seahawks. Uh, all of us put the Seahawks in the championship. Not surprised since the Seahawks podcast. They're we have two good. people uh, picking them to lose to the Steelers in New England, respectively, and two people picking them to beat the New England. And the we Steelers also have all of us with Super Bowl rematches. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't think about that. Yeah. yeah, I will say this. Okay, there's one team that I put pretty deep in this that other people want to don't. I want to reiterate. I'm the more I research, the more I liked the Panthers. Uh, like just the, mm-hmm. the more I like watched them and like got to know that team. I think that that team's a real sleeper. They are. They got a thin. receiver. That's who, what bothers yep, me. They're thin like the Giants, but yeah. I just the the starters and they have often they have a lot of offensive weapons for for Cam Newton this year. Christian McCaffrey's going to make that team insufferable when he's playing well. And and and, and adjusted to the NFL. All right, let's rock and roll our way to our awards winners. I thought this would be fun if we came up with our awards winners. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to read off an award, NFL award. I'm going to give you a few odds to maybe give you some idea where people are, what other people are thinking, and you tell me your uh, winner. So let's go. Uh, 2017 Offensive Rookie of the Year: uh, Leonard Fournette plus 400, Christian McCaffrey plus 450, Deshaun Watson plus 500, Dalvin Cook plus 900, and Joe Mixon plus 900. After that, you got a bunch of guys: uh, Deshaun Kaiser, Mitch Trubisky, Corey Davis, Kareem Hunt, John Ross, OJ Howard. Kevin, start with you. What are you thinking for offensive rookie of the year? You know, when I'm thinking offensive rookie of the year, I'm thinking about a player that's going to make a lot of impact for their team. So, which of those players is the team going to ride? And I think I'm going to go with a featured running back for an offense that should be pretty solid with quality play calling, a dual threat, Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook. Of the Minnesota Vikings. You made me think you were going to say Christian McCaffrey, so good job. Me, that's what I thought you were going to say, Eric, who do you like? Uh, actually, I like Christian McCaffrey. I was like, oh, no, me and Kevin are going to have the same guy. Uh, I'm kind of – since the draft, I've been buying into the hype of Christian McCaffrey. I do think that the Panthers are going to be exciting. Uh, he's a good weapon. And I think he's going to, by default, get a lot more looks than you think. Yeah. One thing I like about both your guys' picks is, like, the quarterbacks fit well with those players specifically. Like – Dalvin Cook is a is a versatile running back and a with, playing with a guy who likes to throw short passes. He had like the third worst Alex in the league last year. Yep. And then Alex means adjusted line expect. It's basically how how did you throw it and compared to the first down marker. That's that's the stat. And uh, yeah, you know Sam Bradford throws it short of the first down marker. That's kind of part of his game. You know he's yep. an accurate thrower, but he's not, running backs, tight ends, and bubble screens. Not a, a perfect lot of de- not a perfect decision maker to say the least. Although last year he had a, the shakiest offensive line ever so i don't blame him for throwing throwing it quickly uh eric i like your pick christian mccaffrey he looks good and i think the Ca- the carolina panthers will be resurgent i'm gonna go uh a little uh i'm gonna go a little i think you're gonna pick my second pick in just i'm gonna a pick a guy who i think is gonna i think there's a team that's gonna kind of fall flat on its face at the beginning of the year they're not gonna do super hot and all of a sudden they're gonna bring in a rookie running back and they're gonna get hot they're gonna get hot and they're gonna get back in the playoff hunt and they're gonna just miss the playoffs I'm going to take Pat Mahomes. And I know it's kind of a long shot, but I think quarterbacks have a good chance to win this award. And I think that they are going to get sick of Alex Smith very quickly this year. And that it's going to start off kind of bad for Kansas City. And Kareem Hunt's going to bring something to the offense. So there's a chance he steals this award directly from Pat Mahomes, which I wouldn't mind because I think that Kansas City's going to make good use of both these rookies. But I like Pat Mahomes to come in and kind of steal this award. I think Pat Mahomes has a near 0% chance of starting barring injury. All right. I'm... I'm, he is I, not NFL ready at all. This out. Hey, I believe in Andy Reid. I knew that was coming. He, I he, believe you watched him only playing gifts. No, no, Andy, Andy Reid. No, I no, watched, Pat Mahomes. I just watched what happened to Nick Foles once he didn't have Andy oh Reid. It's more like it. You know, when it's an Andy Reid gif, it becomes a gif because it's peanut butter and he's right. fat. Hey, that man lost a lot of weight. Right. I have somewhat of a dark horse, but I'm going to go with John Ross because for all of his faults, Andy Dalton made Marvin Jones look out just out of this world for a six-game stretch. So I don't know. Why not? Why not John Ross? Hashtag Homer. All right. John Ross looks good. I yeah. also I watched good. two I thought, Huskies games last year. I thought year. you were going to say Deshaun Kaiser, which would have been a smart pick. Deshaun Kaiser is like my, my second favorite. 
I was gonna pick Deshaun Kaiser, but I wanted to go riskier. Cause That's I want, one way to say it. Because I wanted to go for the better odds, and he's oh, like, I thought you wanted like, to go did, for the biscuit. They did extend Andy Reid. Right? Pat Holmes has good odds. Because Andy Reid ain't fucking around if they extended him. He's uh, not any, putting Alex Smith in there. All right. Anyway, let's go. Game one. Let's go ahead and go to the defensive player of the year. Uh, favorites for DPOI: uh, JJ Watt plus three fifty, Khalil Mack at plus five hundred, Von Miller at plus five hundred, and Joey Bosa at plus nine hundred, and Aaron Donald at fourteen to one. Kevin, start with you because I haven't started in the middle yet. Uh, Kevin, who do you like for DPOI? Uh, I have Joey Bosa all the way. Yeah, I just think that he's going to be the leading edge of the Chargers' playoff resurgence. Um, their offense has been plugging along very solidly. Their defense has been kind of the liability, and he brings kind of the fire and the fury for that pass rush. Yeah, he's a very versatile player. He's I, like white Michael Bennett. I hate bringing just like an echo, uh, because but uh, but uh, so let me get this out of the way. Joey Bosa is is real good at football, and uh, he's his odds are only nine to one, so I wouldn't bet this like in Vegas or anything. But I think he has a real good shot to win this award. And this is a pass rushers award. That's the other thing I'm going to say is that a safety hasn't won this award in a really long time. Yep. And the only two non safeties to win it won it like two years ago and three years ago. And then it's been all pass rushers other than that. So this is kind of a pass rushers award. So picking a non-pass rusher is a huge risk here, even though I love, like, maybe I would want to pick Bobby or, like, Earl. Like, that's just not going to happen. Just, this, this award goes to pass yeah, you rushers. You need double-digit interceptions if you want a shot at it, basically. All right, Eric, who do you like? Uh, you know, I thought it was going to be cool and original when picking Joey Bosa. I'm going to go switch it to Khalil Mack. Khalil uh, Mack's good. Khalil Mack will get to the quarterback. He'll make a lot of tackles. That's two in a row, man. He's coming after Watt's crown. Yeah. It's it's I a, like it. He's the best player on a on a pretty mediocre Tibetan. That's defense. actually why I didn't. That's why I was like, I won't pick Klumak. I'll go Joey Bosa. And then you guys picked him. I was like, okay, I'll go back to Klumak. <laughs> Brett, I'm gonna be super boring and just say JJ Watt. You know, he's real good at football. Yeah. If you trust the old man to come back with the back injury, I don't mind. I it. do. Robo Watt because I'm an old man. So you're going for the gotta... double dip with a comeback player of the year and defensive <laughs> player of the year. All right, here we go. Uh, last more, last one we're going to do. MVP, Tom Brady plus 400. Aaron Rodgers plus 500. Derek Carr plus 700. Big Ben plus 9. Prescott 16 to 1. Russell at 16 to 1. There's a bunch of guys at 16 to 1. Lev Bell, Matt Ryan, Cam Newton at 25 to 1 with uh, Drew Brees and Jameis Winston. Let's start with you, Brett. I'm going to take Russell Wilson because he's healthy. I he's, knew you were going to say that. That's why I started. He's obviously, he's obviously really good, and I feel like it's an award where if it's going to be a quarterback, they're going to be like, well – it's been he's been really good for five years. Let's just give it to him now, right? Like everybody else has had it. Everybody else is good. His team's going to be really good, which matters way more than it should. So I'm just I'm just going to give it to Russell Wilson. Eric, how can how can you not be boring for this award? Pick Aaron Rodgers. I hate it. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. A Aaron Rodgers. I honestly I I thought like maybe I should think out of the box. I was like no. It's a Aaron Rodgers. Kevin? Also I'm glad because I chose to think out of the box. I'm going with Le'Veon Bell hmm. as MVP. The rare I think he'll have a complete MVP. season, do very well. And then Offensive Player of the Year is going to be Drew Brees because they'll never give a running back both for some stupid reason. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, 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 some stupid reason they always have to separate So Drew Brees is going to throw for yet another 6,000 yards. Uh, Let me tell you a couple things. He's going to make Ted Ginn look like a competent wide receiver. And for that alone, you should be Offensive Player of the Year. Kevin, you can get Blake Bortles at 100 to one. This is like similar to my uh, Pat Mahomes pick. You can get Joe Flacco at 150 to one. What I tell Joe, Joe Flacco, Flacco is way less stupid than yeah. what I would tell Joe Flacco <laughs> is if your odds are that much worse than Blake Bortles, you should probably just quit. That's not good. But I will go once again for those of you that don't remember Blake Bortles, or as I like to call him, the Richie Sexton of quarterbacking. Then neither, neither of those are as bad as the fact that Carson Wentz is 33 to one. Eagles fans, calm down. Don't make this bad. to one. Carson Wentz is. N- Consequences odds should be this similar to Blake Bortles, just in terms of this award because the Eagles are worse than the Jaguars. I think in terms of like can they make the playoffs? I'm gonna pick Tom Brady. I think this is a Tom Brady revenge tour. He's gonna be mad. Wasn't the last you know year that these the guys hold? Yeah. yeah, last year's revenge tour, and they didn't give him the MVP award. Oh, oh, oh okay, okay. Any time that you Tom Brady gets even the slight, and Bill Belichick at the smallest slight, it's always like this guy just goes off. So, Do you think this is his last year? Tom Brady. Let's go with that hot take question. Thomas Brady. I wrote Tom Brady and crossed it out because I felt like it was too obvious. So Because I, I knew someone else would pick that because it's like, Kevin's really like, clear. Because it's smart. Like He's, he's going to he's gonna come out playing like with a vengeance. Yes. He, they, these guys always find a way to be like, yeah, they, they, they slided us like this, so we're just going to go out there and show them. I'm dead up like, just betting against age at this like, point, bro, and just, it's still not a good bet to make. Like, bro, you just won the Super Bowl. No one, no one thinks you're bad. Like, yeah. <laughs> calm down. Are you saying that professional athletes are kind of narcissists, Nate? Yeah. Okay. 
All right. I was making sure. Uh, let's go to the money zone. Uh, you can support us by going to patreon.com slash seahawksnest. Uh, you can donate us at many different levels. Um, the coolest thing that you'll be able to get for that is every week we'll release our NFL Picks podcast. It's about 20 minutes of us just riffing on the NFL games and picking all of the games every week. So that's a Patreon exclusive. And uh, I, th- I think what we'll do is we'll lag the first one like out there two weeks late or something. And that way everyone can listen to it and see if they like it. So there you go. Uh, that's a... That's something you can look forward to super late if if you uh maybe we'll release want. it right after the games. Yeah. So then and then the other thing, uh you other ways you can support us, you can like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash uh the Seahawks Nest, uh Twitter.com slash Seahawks Nest. You can give us a five star review on whatever you use to review Stitcher, uh, SoundCloud, Sti- iTunes. Doesn't matter, just give us a thumbs up and stars on those. Pocket cast. I think that's one of them. Pocket cast is the one I use. I love Pocket Cast. Okay. It's a really good app if you have Android. Um then one thing that's cool is like our iTunes rating is five stars, and we have like ten reviews, and like it, they're all really ni- they're really nice and heartwarming. So I thank you and everyone who wrote a review because writing an, a review on iTunes is actually like way more stupid amount of work than it should be unless you have an iPhone. Yep. So like it's very very very. So if you do very have an difficult. iPhone and you didn't, you should feel bad because people put way more work into it. Than- <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna leave now. No, you shouldn't feel bad. It's not that big a deal. But, but well, unless yeah. you're Brett, then you should feel bad. I do. Um, yeah, because everything. Because, uh, anyway, whatever. In honor of Brett, we're doing Ghost Dad this week for Movie Club. <laughs> so, we have the Seahawks Movie Club. And since Brett is here... Hi. And I thought, you know, Brett doesn't get often get a chance to be involved with this process. Oh, B-Town special. Or watch movies. Brett, what's a movie you want us to talk about? <laughs> or watch movies. Have you talked about Spinal Tap? N- no. We talked about Popstar and Spinal okay, Tap okay. came up a lot. Have you okay. seen Popstar Never Stop, Never no, Stopping? I haven't seen it yet. Oh, man. Brett, you will not be disappointed unless uh, you are. I'm glad this turned into re-reviewing pop star just Man, for I, just for Brett. We can talk. About, we can talk about uh, Spinal Tap though. I'm good with that. No, I mean pop star sounds we real already, similar. We already, we already did pop star. No, I know what I'm saying. It sounds real similar. This is great radio. This well, is I wasn't expecting <laughs> to have to pick a movie here. I know. Of I course put, you are. You I don't put edit. you on the spot, but you were wearing sunglasses indoors. So I thought this is a guy who's ready for anything. But I'm oh, not. So is he, wait, wait. Was that a hint? Is he doing the Invisible Man? No, with Chevy Chase. He can see which of Isn't us. Is that just Fletch? He can see which of us are aliens and which of us aren't. <laughs> we already did that one live. too. Because they live. Hey, Brett, you want to do Clerks? Sure. And Clerks that's, Two. That's actually yes. That's actually a really good one. Because okay, I think Clerks Two is actually pretty underrated. Better. And I, I, I want to talk about that and also just Clerks in general. Maybe we can get a little Kevin Smith chat going. Let's do Clerks and Clerks Two, which is I know Brett likes. Yeah. So, Brett, let's talk about this first. Okay. Let's start with this question for everyone. What do you like better? Clerks 1 or Clerks 2? Straight up. Straight up Clerks. It's way closer than it has any right to be. Um, This is Kevin Smith's only really... His two only really good movies, and I used to be so into Kevin Smith, it... It, uh, That's part of why I did this. It hurt, you yeah. Used to love Kevin and then Smith. I fell off super hard. And going back, it's kind of difficult. But like, yeah, this is like the peak of his of his creative output, and it's not even really close to me. Okay, Kevin, two or one? Uh, Clerks the animated series. Okay, Clerks the animated series is pretty funny. Also good. Yep. Yep. It's uh, completely different animal, but it's really enjoyable. But if you had to choose between the two movies, though, which one would you pick? Uh, I'd probably choose the first one just because. With what they had available, what they did was really quality. The second one, I thought, was just a very middle-of-the-road movie. There are just some bits in the second one. Um, that they're very of, funny, but cause like, the, cause it could have been much better. Both of these movies are just... And this is what I maybe... Why I don't like Kevin Smith that much. Both these movies are just series of bits. Yep. Like, kind of stapled together. Like, it's a, there's the bit. Here's the bit where we talk about how many blowjobs his girlfriend has given. And here's the bit where we talk about a metal, ba- a metal band. And here's the bit where... Like, that's Clerks 1. And Clerks 2 is like, here's the bit where we talk about Lord of the Rings. And here's the right. bit where we talk about how this guy is a virgin. And, like, you know, it's just all these bits kind of stapled together. Now, the bits are really good. But it, it makes me think that these are good... There's pieces of these movies that are good, but the cohesive whole is kind of less than the parts. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, it's like it's like the opposite of the Tarantino effect, where when you stitch together all of Tarantino's storylines, you're like, oh, that's a really interesting quilt. And this time, you stitch them all together, and you're like, oh, why'd you just put the whole thing of french fries inside worse. of the milkshake? I feel like if that's you just, weird. I feel like if you just watched a bunch <laughs> of clips... Who eats it that way? You're an animal. If you just watched a bunch of clips of these in the movies... Eric, Eric how do you feel about this? Two or one for you? I guess one. I am not... I am not a Kevin Smith fan. I do not like Clerks 1. I didn't really finish it. And, and I sure as hell didn't see 2. You didn't see Clerks 2. So, Mallrats. I mean, 
Actually, like, I do like Mallrats. I like Mallrats. That's but here's the thing. That's my favorite Kevin Smith movie. It's it is mine as well. I, f- I think it's a fine film. I just think Kevin Smith is very overrated. And all right, I, look, this is a good chance to explain that. Like, explain what do you think is overrated about Kevin Smith for, okay, the, so, for the listening audience? Because this is a real movie club discussion, right? Yeah, here. yeah. I'll We're going back. deep. I just I, you, Michelle. going to a. <laughs> <laughs> is it just because he named his kid Harley Quinn? Were you really that salty about that? <laughs> yes. Going to uh, going to to college for radio. I I got to talk with a lot of people that love to quote Clerks, and so I was like really excited to see this movie. I didn't see it as film. I didn't see it as a movie. Your description as just a lot of bits. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And if, and uh, those movies get really popular with people in their twenties, but. I don't know, man. I just I don't see I don't see him as a visionary. I don't see Kevin Smith as a visionary storyteller. You got Boondock Saints. By the way, Pretty that's much. what happened to Nathan with Boondock well, Saints. With and he's like, yeah. Boondock Saints is fine, Boondock and Saints it's is like not, because it's people are like, a it's a ten, and you're like, no, the it's thing, just the entertaining seven. It wasn't that bad because I hadn't waited forever to see it. I also got Boondock Saints on Boondock Saints. I don't but like that movie. But yeah, you, like I, what would you rate Clerks? Like a, a six, yeah, six yeah. or seven somewhere in there. Five or six. Okay, and yeah. uh, my two highest rated Kevin Smith movies are probably Zack and Mary Make a Porno, good movie, and which I think is a pretty solid movie, and Dogma, which I think is a, mm. which I think is an okay, it's a pretty, it's a good movie. Dog- I think my- Dogma has a lot more funny lines than it does work as a whole movie. Right. It has a lot of great quotes and some really funny scenes. I fell down the Kevin Smith podcast rabbit hole for like two or three years, and it's funny that like both Nate and Eric's points are kind of sound because he like self admittedly he was like, well, I just do podcasts because I like the volume, right? So like his movies were always just the only way for him to get out what he wanted, and then once podcasts came around, he was like, yeah, I just like doing this because you know, yeah, like there's no reason to go back to Clerks or Clerks Two because there's some like amazing movie. Right, like from a technical level, or you know, like from whatever angle you want. But like, Clerks was a movie that I re- remember seeing, and I was like, "This is way different than anything that I've seen." You know, like the writing for the time, it was like the best writing that I'd seen in a it movie. It was black and white. Yeah, it was black and white, but it was weird as the years went on, and Kevin Smith did like all those podcasts where it was like he had more stories about Clerks and making it and what happened in his life, and it was just kind of like it was weird, right? Because it was like this really isn't. In a vacuum, it's really not that great of a movie. But it's, it's funny, like, but it, the characters, it bits, the but... characters are really relatable. That's the big thing with yeah. it. There are legitimately very funny parts. Anyone who's worked in an environment like that can re- really relate to Randall and Dante, like, mm-hmm. as just as like what they're doing and stuff. Like that is the thing that I think is like that's the heart of the film. That that's what makes it not just a trash movie. Like it's like, incredibly relatable if you take a situation you might live through and just like put it a notch above. Right. Sure. I agree with that. But yeah, uh, my, most of my fondness for Clerks, and there is a lot, is definitely from, you know, just like the romanticized idea that I have of Clerks. But yeah, I, I have not gone back to the to the view skewed universe in quite some time. But that's a good one, though. Clerks 2 is good. So I will say the reason I like Mallrats directly more is because I feel like the threads that tie the skits together is a more enjoyable thread to follow. There's a plot I think on that's that movie. the thing that puts yeah. it slightly ahead of clerks because it's a better movie it's yes it's a better movie (laughs) i don't think that every individual skit is as good in each case but i think the overall movie is much better that's what i that's the way i feel about zach and mary make a porno except for i do think the the individual scenes are actually really funny too like i really think that that's quite an enjoyable movie if you can handle just like the the crassness of the topic which is like gonna be a put off for some amount of people right yeah like some amount of people are just gonna be like i'm not watching this movie because this is an incredibly crass topic and i don't begrudge them that at all the movie is definitely not for you then don't watch it but i thought that movie is like really solid and also it has good actors in it which is like something like where i feel like it's really hit or miss and sometimes good actors put in really bad performances in kevin smith movies too Mm -hmm. like where i'm like what is going on right here with this character like i don't get it at all so like the guy from the fashionable male it Dude, is Kevin. the uh, the Ben the Ben Affleck appearances in Love was always kind of weird, but you know like that's a thing like outside of the actual movies, which mm-hmm. just kind of contributes to it because you're like, well, I don't know, like every Kevin Smith movie has been definitely a Kevin Smith movie, you know, so it's weird to like consume all of the other things that he does and then try and watch one of his movies. Zach and Mary make pornography though. Uh, that movie isn't. Thank you, Kevin. Is I don't feel like that's a 
Like, like that's a Kevin Smith movie. I when you brought it up, I totally forgot about it, and I was like, oh yeah, that movie is pretty good. It does not feel like a Kevin Smith movie, right? Probably sure. because Jane Silent Bob aren't just mugging for the camera every five minutes and going, hey, hey I, Jason, right. I'm Jason Mewes, I'm here. And also, like, yeah, Jason Mewes is in that movie. He is, but not as, uh, but not as, not, not as, as a J. And another thing too is that in that movie too, it actually has a coherent story thread that follows through the whole story, right? Which is like. Up until that point, I would say that most of his movies don't have that, or if they do have it, it's pretty weak. Or I'll say, okay, so Kevin brought that up, that Mallrats has a good thread, because it's a plot that goes all the way through, but Zack and Miri make a porno has an arc. Yeah. It has no, arcs, right. which none, no other of his movies It's have. definitely the most complete of his movies. Yes. Like, I, I will watch that movie every once in a while. Like, I'll throw the DVD in and actually, like, give it another burn, and, like, I, I quite enjoy that, yeah. and I'm glad that this has turned into just us talking about, like, how we feel about every Kevin Smith movie, because... Well, that's more interesting as a <laughs> because, topic. Uh, <laughs> and another thing, too, is that riff at the beginning of Zack and Mary Make a Porno, where Craig Robinson is yelling t- mm-hmm. at the, the coffee store owner about Black Friday, <laughs> is legitimately, like, one of the funniest riffs in any movie ever. Like, I will <laughs> put it up Robinson's against awesome. anything. <laughs> <laughs> Just he's yelling about how he shouldn't have to work on Black Friday. It's just so funny. Like, there's far worse people to support making movies than Kevin Smith at this point. You know? Oh, like, yeah. now, it's, you, it's you want to back it out the whole way, though? I think uh, Chasing Amy is the one that carries it through the worst. I think that movie as is As far as the individual components, I think individual components and skits, the least amount of them are funny. And then the overcarrying plot is not as good it's not as interesting right so it's like a much more mild plot with less like humor in each component so it doesn't have like the individual funny factor that clerks does or the like pretty enjoyable riff that uh mall rats little ride that it takes you on it's like infantile stage of his movie making agreed uh, chasing amy is like he tried to take what he did in clerks and make an actual movie yeah. and i think that's why a lot of people give it credit because they probably watched it like right when it came out and they're like oh yeah this guy did it he made a real movie but it's kind of like bad high fidelity but that's he it's his first crack at a romantic film where zach and mary make a porno is like kind of finished it yeah. And he and he perfected it. Chasing Amy was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna make like a real film now, and it's gonna be funny. And it really wasn't either. The best part of Clerks to roll back that nobody has mentioned is the soundtrack. The soundtrack on that first Clerks is awesome. Well, that's part of what gave it its cult status. Yeah, yeah, that and, and the fact that he filmed it in black and white. Yep, they filmed it in 21 days. They filmed it super fast. The Kevin Smith barely slept. Like the, the marketing whole time. that they did for it was a really intelligent marketing strategy. Weird guerrilla marketing that. The, the whole they got the good. money for it from uh, from a FEMA program for some flood that hit Jersey. Correct. Yep. The so. the the just the that sign he puts up at the end of the movie. I assure you, we're open. <laughs> like that's just so funny. <laughs> In the same way that like we're the generation that remembers life before the internet and like after. Like it's probably pretty important to remember that when Clerks came out, like there was one indie movie that was good and popular, and that was like Slackers. Sure, yeah. And, the, like... The whole, like, make a movie for, for yeah, $30,000 and try to get it out there that thing. That didn't happen. Yeah, there were not very many Yeah, of that didn't happen. And now you could do it right now. Like, yeah, we like, could have been filming a movie and then we could put it up on YouTube, like, right now. Like, I'm so, like... what movies before... Was there anything before Clerks that was filmed for that cheap that made as much money as it? Because it made over $3 million. I mean, like, made as much money? Probably no. Like, there were other successful, like, cult successful low-budget yeah. movies. But, like... Then you're talking along like more like niche stuff like trauma, right? I mean, this opened the door for things like Blair Witch Project to Absolutely. get made. What about, and, like, uh, what about like Swingers? That. Where does Swingers rank? Oh, I think that costs more than thirty thousand. Though Swingers has Without a, a doubt, Swingers yeah. has a really great like oral oral history too. Like to that movie, the movie was made after Clerks too. By the way, it was two years later. Swingers uh, was but, uh, okay, but that Doug, Doug Lyman, like the way they made that movie is like so gorilla and. Like so underground, like they did an oral history of swingers on uh, Grantland, I think, or maybe yes. yeah, I think it was in Grantland. Was Grantland. Mm-hmm. And that is a hundred percent a worthwhile read because mm-hmm. just the way they filmed that movie. Um, we're gonna do a full podcast on that movie, so I don't want to go too deep on it because that is literally one of my twenty favorite movies ever. The last scene in that movie is my favorite, one of my favorite scenes in any movie ever. I need to go so, rewatch that. So I can't. <laughs> so I cannot like stress enough how much I like the movie Swingers. Uh, so I don't want to go deep on it right now, but it was shown for two hundred thousand dollars, and Doug Liman is okay, Doug Liman is legit. That sounds about right. Your your top twenty comment kind of like hit that. I would definitely put Clerks in my top twenty. Oh no way! Does it make mine? It would be twentieth probably, but it would definitely be on you'd there. Like sneak, you'd sneak it in there just because of how you emotionally yeah, attached exactly. to it. Yes, I could not leave out Clerks in any way. So that was 
kind of it is in my bottom five Kevin Smith movies. <laughs> Man, there's only like twelve. Some, I was gonna say there's some uh, real. Then, then right put in my garden. Bo- He's in my bottom eleven. Tusk. Uh, so, so what's your what? Let's let's go around rapid fire. What's your number one Kevin Smith movie? And just say like um say like one funny scene that you really connected to with it. Uh, clerks. Clerks. And like, what's your favorite scene in Clerks? Uh, when they're talking about the free Gatorade after the, after the hockey match. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's, I do, that's a good pick. I do like yeah. that. I, I did not expect you to pick that scene. That Thank seems you. really funny. Uh, Kevin. Um, okay. So it's mall rats. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's just the running gag about his ex-girlfriend dying. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> just in general, there's a lot of good running gags. You tell him Steve, Dave. Yeah. Um, but that one and the way that it comes up so often, yeah. Uh, I'll go. Do it, Doug. That's another great. <laughs> Eric's gonna be like the part where I turned it off. No, <laughs> I, 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 I will also say Mall Rats, and because I'm a giant nerd, I'll say the scene with Stanley. Yeah, I was really good. I also had some good jokes in there, like, "Hey, uh, the thing is the." This is Dork. Yeah. Is this Dork made of rock? Yeah, you it's... might want to get him some help. He seems to have a thing about superhero sex organs. <laughs> yeah, we've uh, we've talked to him about yeah. that. It's uh... also Jason. Uh, Jason Lee. No, who's the one from Jason Schwartzman? No, Jason, no, no, no. Jason Lee is in Mallrats. Jason Lee. Yeah, is, is that a guy from Nine Hundred Two One Zero? No. Who am I thinking of? The other Ian Ziering. I'm sorry, Ian Ziering. No, just... who's the lead Hell in Mallrats? No Fury, not... like a woman. That's not Jason Lee. Um, all rats. Uh, yeah, Shannon, who's the guy that's Shannon not Darty? No, <laughs> the other the other male lead that's not Jeremy London. Thank you. Yeah, he, <laughs> Jeremy <laughs> London completely <laughs> ruins that movie for me. Uh, now, a, did you like Jeremy London in Dazed and Confused? Not really. No. Okay. You know why? It's because he wasn't in it. His twin brother was. Really? Isn't that crazy, Brett? Oh, damn. <laughs> this Jason is like the London. movie that Shaq never made that yeah, everyone's convinced. I, I was made. like, oh, how come oh. this guy isn't in anything anymore? You mean, did you just imply that Sinbad, Sinbad yeah. and Shaq are twins? Sinbad, thank you. This yes, I did. Freaking weird. Glad I came back, boys. It's been a good ride. Sinbad in steel. You guys are gonna look at this and be like, "Why do I only have fifty listeners this week? This sucks." <laughs> my uh, my my favorite Kevin Smith movie. Is uh, Zachary make a porno? And I already said my favorite scene, but I'll say my uh, my second favorite scene then is the whole bit with Justin Long and how he's like Bob, Bobby, and he like has that voice yes. that he's doing, yeah. and, it, and he's like a male porn star, and it's so I will, funny. I will carry you up I the was, mountain. I will yeah. be your Sherpa <laughs> up the mountain of and was, gainus. And I was like, uh, and where he's like, I was like, so you're in films like uh, Twelve Angry Men, and he's like, oh, more like Twelve Angry Men, and then he like starts going on and turns it into a title of a porno. It's just like this is this is really great. All about that. I really appreciate this. You know, that's my and favorite so, thing to do on the bus back when there was Lusty Lady. So that that's my. Uh, <laughs> That's my uh, my go to right there. So any any other Kevin Smith thoughts you guys want to throw out there before we uh, I mean, send it home? Not really. I mean, like Zach and Mary is weird because it was like everyone was like, "Hey, he did it. He made a real movie." And it's like, you know, he just made a good one of the thing that he does. But everyone was like, "This is the one. This is his breakthrough." And it's like, I don't think it's anyone... the opposite. It's more like the culminating point. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was like his spot in pop culture has been occupied, and now it's been released. He he could have gone one or two ways with that. And he finally made a mainstream successful movie, and he could have been like, you know what, I'm going to use this to start making mainstream successful movies, and I'm going to use this to start making movies uh, like in the way that um, Judd Apatow does, right? Mm-hmm. He's, I'm going to make some mainstream successful movies, or I'm going to help mainstream successful movie projects get made, like uh, Judd Apatow did with The Big Sick, which is, by the way, a fantastic film, and everyone should see it. I love The Big Sick. It was so good. Uh, maybe we could talk about that in a full podcast when it's out on DVD and you all can watch it too. Uh, so then... So, yeah, but he decided, no, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make stuff that's real weird, like Tusk, and, like, I'm just going to make red yoga state. hosers and Red yeah. State and, like, stuff that's real offbeat and not for everyone. And, you know, it's cool. He caters to his fans, and he has tons of money, so he can afford to do it. Yeah. But, like, that movie is – those movies are not for everyone. They are for people – they are specifically made for people who really like Kevin Smith. Yeah. I mean, if yeah. I made a movie and Quentin Tarantino was like, this is one of my favorite movies of the year, I'd be like, well, I'm just going to keep doing this then because fuck everyone else. Like, this dude's opinion holds a lot of water, so, yeah. yeah. So that's that's it. That's our uh, that's our hot takes Kevin Smith cast. Uh, yep. That was like fifteen minutes of all Kevin Smith takes. It, it kind of wandered a little bit more Sorry, than I thought it would, but you know what? I like it. All right. So for Eric Ronnebeck, Kevin Garber, the ghost of Brett Hancock. Oh, nope, nope. That's real Brett Hancock right there. No, now it's invisible. On Brett Planet Hancock. Cool. On Planet Cool. <laughs> I'm Nathan Sano, and we'll see you next week. Go Hawks. He wears his sunglasses at night. Are there hot takes on Planet Cool?